Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets here with your weekend edition of the Bull and the Bear podcast. Now, as you, as you guys know, we kind of changed things up a little bit last week. And normally, you know, we would we would look at a, at a particular sector and, and pull out a couple stocks and tell you whether they were worth uh, your, you know, worth putting in your portfolio or worth thinking about or worth considering or ones you should just stay away from completely. And we decided that we want to change things up a little bit and, and really broaden the horizon a little bit. We've, we've got this great tool that we that we call the stock rating system. And it's on our website at moneymarkets.com, which by the way, you should go to each and every day to find safe and sound profitable investment information from myself, from chief investment strategist, Adam O'Dell, uh, Greens and Fortunes editor, Charles Sizemore, and many, many, and many, many other people uh, that, that contribute to that. But anyway, so we have this tool and we, we, so we figured, you know, it'd be best if we just kind of broaden things a little bit. And so last week we started this concept of where each one of us, myself, Charles and Adam, we're going to come to you with a buy recommendation from anywhere. It could be any stock, any sector, doesn't matter. And then it's up to us to tell you why we think that's the case. And it has really resonated very well with, with, with our viewers from last week. And, and so, well, we obviously have got, got a little bit of trend here. So we're going to keep going with that. And uh, again, like I said, you know, to get things started, make sure you visit moneymarkets.com each and every day. Sign up for our free daily e-letter where you'll see that great content from Charles, from Adam, from myself, from Mike Carr. Uh, lots of great content on there to help help bolster your portfolio and provide you with safe and sound uh, investment information. Now, uh, today, I'm just going to get right into it. And we, we, we are kind of all over the map today. As you can see, you'll be able to see here, Charles Sizemore is, uh, is not in his traditional home. He is, he is out and about. I, I don't know if it's, if you want to call it a vacation or, or what, but I'm going to start with Charles and Charles, I, you know, what, what, what's the stock you're looking at today? The stock that is screaming to you and telling you that it, it is a buy right now. Well, I'm going to start with saying I'm in Peru on the Pacific Ocean and you're not. So um, I just, I had to rub that in. <laughs> that's fine. But, I'm in uh, South Florida, the Atlantic Ocean. I really don't think, I, I don't, I don't think that's, you know, you're not like you're telling me I'm in Kansas and you're in Peru. It's not, not quite the same. Yeah, that's true. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Like what, uh, so I started with uh, sort of a, a big picture question of what do I think is going to do well this year? I do think this is going to be a year that sees a return of some of the more gritty industrial value stocks. Uh, we've seen some evidence of that towards the end of last year, beginning of this year. I think that's a trend that's going to have some legs for a couple reasons. Um, one, um, just valuation more than anything else. Uh, a lot of the, the big growth names are a little on the expensive side right now. And while expensive stocks can always get more expensive, I think if you're going to look for the next theme, you know, the next, um, you know, that, that next sector to, to ride higher, I think the more gritty industrial stuff is, is the place to be. And so I've been looking at specialty chemical makers, which um, I know if you remember the movie, The Graduate, just it brings to mind plastics, you know, the futures in plastics. Uh, we're not looking at plastics, but we're looking at a diversified, um, diversified chemical maker named Hawkins, uh, uh, well, just Hawkins, ticker symbol HWKN. And what I like about this is it's, they have their hands in a lot of different things. They have their industrial segment, they have their water treatment segment, which is sort of 
a specialty niche there. Uh, they don't have a lot of competition in that space, so that, that's nice. It's, it's a niche player in a niche market. Um, they also have um, one area that I think is particularly interesting is they make chemicals for food and vitamin supplements and, and things like that. So that is a growth market these days as well. Uh, there's been a lot of emphasis on, on you know, getting healthy, on, on just, you know, building up your immune system and just, you know, as the, at the tail end of the pandemic here. So there's a lot going for this stock. Uh, I think it has nice complementary businesses. Well, complementary may not actually be the right word because they don't really complement each other as much as they diversify one another. So uh, I think this is a really interesting stock uh, to have for a while. And now it rates exceptionally well on our, on our model. It rates uh, 95. And uh, what, so yeah, hypothetically, all of our ratings are equal. You know, the six factors are equal. You don't favor one over the others. But if you are trying to look forward into what factors do you think the market is more likely to reward going forward, there is an element of uh, discretion there, right? This one uh, rates particularly high based on size. It's, it's a smaller cap stock, uh, $500 million market cap. That's not small cap per se, but it's um, it's, it's smaller, if you will. Uh, it rates very well for value at an 88. Rates high on quality at also 88. Um, volatility uh, is another, uh, it's volatility is, um, you have to be careful on this one because when you say it has a high volatility rating, you assume that means it's a volatile stock. Actually, it's to the contrary. Uh, the higher the volatility rating, the lower volatile the stock is. This one rates a 68, which is, which is quite solid. If it's a little bit middle of the road, it would be on growth and on momentum. And I have a sort of a personal rule of thumb. Um, I, I won't recommend a stock if its momentum rating isn't at least in the top half. Um, I, I have no hard firm reason for saying that other than I just I think it is I don't like to try to you know call it dip right I, I like to see at least it at a, if, if all other metrics are good I would like to see momentum at least you know middle of the pack right momentum's at about 50 so so that that meets my my, my, my cutoff there um, yeah overall I, I think this is a, a nice place to be it, it's boring it's gritty it, it's about as far from sexy as you get. It's water treatment chemicals for crying out loud. But I think that's gonna be a nice place to be in 2021. And I think it's it's interesting you bring that up when you talk about momentum. I'm kind of mentally in, in the same place whenever I look at our, our six factor green zone rating system. Uh, you know, momentum is something that we that, that Adam talks about a lot in terms of the principle of buying high and selling higher to find, uh, you know, stocks are in a confirmed uptrend that, that has been sustainable over a period of time. Uh, the model does that. It finds that it scores that appropriately. And I'm kind of with you. If it I, my threshold might be a little higher. Um, you say in 50, I, I have to I, it's got to be in the green for me in terms of momentum. And I, I could be just maybe you know, maybe making more out of that than, than possible. And, and Adam can tell me for sure if that's, well, that's if, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to favor one over another, you know, for example, I'm, I'm a lot more flexible on, on size, you know, on, exactly. on the size metric, um, I, you know, that rate, that's as important as the rest, but I am willing to be a bit more flexible on that one. Um, and part of that is just the, what's gone on in the market over the last several years, larger cap stocks have done, done fantastically well. So, um, yeah, uh, but it's it's the momentum the momentum factor that I kind of I tend to be considerably more stringent on in terms of trying to evaluate a stock position and and whether I think it's it's got potential or not. It could rate you know low 
or lower and other metrics, but I, I really try to pay attention to momentum. I mean, obviously you take all six factors into account. That, that's, that's the reason why it's there. But in, in terms of if I'm going to make a stock recommendation or if I'm going to look at something heavily and do more research on it, I want to, I look at its momentum first. That is the first one I see. If I see that it is below 60, then I tend to look at it with a much sharper eye, I guess would be a, a way of putting it. If it's 60 or above, then I'm a little more, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not hesitant to, to, to dig into it and, and make it as a possible recommendation. So I, I was glad you You don't want to catch that proverbial falling knife. Exactly, exactly. Because size is one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of large cap companies out there that do very well and they rank low in size. Uh, so you just have to kind of, factor all that in uh, and look at the, the, the numbers, but also understand what those numbers mean. And I think we do a really good job on moneymarkets.com to explain what those top factors are for each stock and what those bottom factors are and what they mean. Um, so the good Hawkins, uh, Hawkins Incorporated, I believe, H-W-K-N. Uh, that is uh, Charles's buy for today. I'm going to switch gears and uh, first uh, welcome uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, who is the, uh, the mastermind behind the Green Zone Ratings uh, System, and, and welcome him to uh, another week of the Bull and the Bear and, and just jump in and tell us, tell us what's on your radar. What stock are you looking at today? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I've got a good one this week. Uh, but before I get there, I do, I mean, I wasn't planning on doing this, but since the the green zone uh, stock rating model uh, comes up and the momentum. I've got a couple thoughts on that. First of all, Charles, though, I love your characterization. Um, gritty industrial value stocks. I think you just came up with a new moniker for 2021. It's, it's the gives, you know, it's not the bricks, it's not the fangs, it's the gives. I think you could even throw in, um, you could say gritty industrial value and energy stocks. So the gives for 2021. So let's See if we can get that to go viral, Charles. I think we have the ticker symbol for our next ETF. There you go, Gibbs. Absolutely. So I love it. Uh, beyond that, yeah, I mean the momentum. I mean, I think it's interesting that Charles has a has a um, momentum rule of a fifty or greater. That what that makes immediately brings to mind in my mind is a trend following rule. And so basically, a trend following rule can be as simple as you know I won't even consider buying a stock unless that stock is over its two hundred day moving average. If it's above it, I'll consider it. I'll look at all my other factors. If it's below the 200-day moving average, then I won't even consider it. You know, full stop. Look elsewhere. You know that that actually does two things for you. Um, actually, does three things. First of all, it narrows the field down to to uh, you know a smaller subset of stocks to consider. Uh, but economically and statistically, what that does is if you only buy stocks that are in uptrends, number one, it increases your odds of success on a bullish trade or investment. So your your win rate is going to be better than it would be if you bought. Uh, stocks below the 200-day moving average or whatever your trend rule is. The second thing it does is if you get into a stock long that's above its 200-day moving average or in an uptrend, however you define that, if it does go through a pullback or a drawdown, I mean, it's not a guarantee that it's going to go higher from there, but if it does, that drawdown is going to be milder than it would be if you bought a stock uh, below the 200-day moving average or in a downtrend, uh, so-called falling knives. So really, I mean, you can increase your odds of success and you can decrease your risk just by doing one trend rule, and that's like a no-brainer to me. So whether you use a 200-day moving average or whether you use a six-month trend or whether you use a 50 score or higher on the Green Zone model, which everyone can access on the Money and Markets website, I think that's a no-brainer trend rule, and I'm glad that uh, Charles brought that up. Another, this is kind of like inside baseball, but another thing about the momentum factor is that while um, basically over medium and longer-term timeframes, like one month to six months and 12 months and even 24 months, while you generally want to buy stocks that have beaten the market, there's um, a one-month mean reversion window in there. And so basically what that means is if you sorted all, let's say you sorted the 500 stocks in the S&P 500, 
over just their last one month, the last 22 trading days. What you would actually find is the top performing stocks underperform because they would actually mean revert a little bit. So I've actually built that into the model. Uh, and what that means is that if, if you have a stock that um, is up over the six months and 12 months and 24 months more than all the other stocks, and it has pulled back a little bit over the last, um, 12, over the last one month, um, then that's actually gonna get a higher rating than a stock that is absolutely at its highs. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there. We don't really talk about it much because it's kind of inside baseball, but um, that's something to consider as well. But uh, moving on to my pick this week, it's funny because Charles and I did not talk about this podcast um, in particular. We talked about other picks, but uh, we, I actually am also going into the specialty chemicals uh, materials sector. Uh, what, 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 while he stayed away from plastics, I am going into the plastics. Uh, the pick I have for this week is an ethylene producer. So ethylene is a hydrocarbon. And it's basically the most basic building block of all the plastics that are manufactured in the entire world, whether it's PVC pipe for residential plumbing, whether it's vinyl siding for residential uh, building materials, whether it's any basic plastic out there. And the, the thing I like about this is the plastics industry is not going to go away. We can go through a recession. We can go through ups and downs in, the, in, uh, in growth industries. But um, you know, just to give you an example of why I think that there's no way that plastics are going to go away, rather than talking about how we can reduce the amount of plastics that we produce in the world, they're trying to figure out how to turn waste plastic into biofuels. So that shows you that there's not an appetite for uh, a reduced uh, production of, of plastics. We're just trying to figure out what to do with all those plastic toys and plastic siding and plastic pipes that we waste. So. I think it's a great industry. Um, this stock that I'm recommending, it's actually a master limited partnership, an MLP. Um, it pays out a huge dividend. It is West Lake Chemical Partners, LP. And basically, you may have heard of uh, West Lake Chemical Corporation. That's a $10 billion corporation that takes these ethylene building blocks and makes all of the actual products, the vinyl siding, the PVC pipe. Well, they actually, um, in 2014, did a, did a split off here where they uh, created the, the master limited partnership Westlake Chemical Partners. And Westlake Chemical Partners basically runs the two factories and the pipeline that produces that basic building block. So they produce the building block, and then they pass that, they basically sell 95% of their product to Westlake Chemical Corporation for a guaranteed stable profit margin. And then they sell the other 5% to third parties. But I like this because it's a stable business. Um, the cash flows are extremely regular and consistent. They're almost guaranteed. Um, it's not based on the price of commodities, so there's not as much commodity price risk there. And uh, Westlake Chemical Partners rates extremely well on our six-factor model. Um, kind of interestingly, it mirrors Charles's uh, scores. It has a, a mediocre score on growth at 55. Um, the next most mediocre score is its momentum score at 62. So this thing isn't screaming higher right now. If you look at a stock chart of Westlake Chemical Partners, which, by the way, the ticker symbol is WLKP. Uh, you'll see that it's not screaming higher right now. So I think that's a good thing. There's a lot of breakout potential there. Uh, but where it rates most highly on is volatility, 75. That means it's a low volatile stock, and that's because of its cash, stable cash um, income generation and dividend payments. Uh, it rates an 80 on size, uh, whereas Westlake Chemical Corporation is a $10 billion corporation. Uh, this partnership is only about $850 million, so it's, it's much smaller, which gives you some more uh, bang for your buck, I think. Uh, it rates um, 97 on quality, and that's because of the stable profit margins and returns. And then it rates 99.6 on value. The valuations of this partnership are unbelievable. I mean, earlier this year, actually last year at this point, 
um, it, it, was, it was basically trading below book value and it's still now just trading just above book value. Um, very low PDE ratios, I think somewhere around 10. Um, whether you look at price to sales, price to book, price to free cash flow, um, it's extremely small, so it, uh, it's extremely cheap. So it rates at 99.6 on value. Um, I also mentioned the dividend, that should be close to Charles's heart. And uh, their forward dividend yield is, I just lost it here, I think it's seven something. Yeah, 7.8, I wanted to get that right. The forward dividend is 7.8%, pays a $1.89 uh, per share per unit dividend. So it's also a you know, cash cow in that regard. So uh, my pick this week is the um, Westlake Chemical Partners, WLKP. And and I'm going to, I want to kind of jump on Charles's coattails in terms of dividends as well. And, and first off, I, I like WLKP. I, I, I actually, I like both. I, both, I like both Hawkins and, and WLKP. I think, I think both of them have a ton of potential. I'm going to take a completely different track. I'm not going to talk about chemicals or plastics or anything like that at all. Not even, not even remotely close. I'm off the rails here. Now, you guys have all watched Shark Tank. I mean, you guys are all familiar with the show Shark Tank. That's where basically small business owners uh, come in front of a group of large-scale, big-name potential investors. You've got Mark Cuban. You've got uh, you know, uh, Damon John. You've got uh, a wealth of – it could be any number of people on there. And they have now spread that out across uh, a couple different countries. Australia has one. Britain has one. Uh, they all have their own variation of it, but Shark Tank is is that's the concept. You come, you pitch your business, and the the group of sharks, as they are called, can decide whether they want to invest in what you're doing uh, or decide not to. Well, the Shark Tank concept isn't really a new one by any stretch. Um, back in 1980, uh, coming off of a, a pretty significant economic decline, oil prices. Uh, going through the roof. It was just kind of towards the end of the Carter administration. There was some foreign policy issues. But basically, the economy was, was stagnant, if not dropping. Congress passed a bill that created entities to help fuel job growth and, and help uh, assist emerging businesses in raising funds to grow. Um, basically, this was supposed to be a catalyst that, of, 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 of companies that would come in and help small to mid-sized companies and say, hey, here is some investment, here is some management uh, experience, let's help you grow. And these entities were called business development companies or BDCs. Um, and I actually found a BDC that invests in small to mid-sized companies. It helps them grow their full potential. Uh, and I think it's a BDC that's going to outperform the broader market by uh, about three times over the next 12 months. And, and I'm going to tell you about that. But first, you know, just kind of give you a little bit more background in terms of BDCs. It's, it's just, that's just it. I mean, it's, it's, that is what the company is. It helps businesses develop and grow. They typically invest in smaller businesses during initial stages of development. These are not companies that typically come in uh, and invest in a company that's been established for 15 years. It very rarely happens unless this company is in distress. Um, they, they also can help struggling businesses by providing other financial assistance, such as loans uh, and, other capital, and other capital investments. And, and on top of all that, these BDCs also bring their specific experience to bear uh, to point companies that are struggling in the right direction. If they're having management problems, if they're, ha they're having uh, supply chain problems or whatnot. Again, so now you're seeing the, the mirrored similarities between what a BDC is and something like Shark Tank. Shark Tank just took a BDC, made it an individual, and put big names on it. That, that's basically what, what it is. And, and there are a lot of these BDCs that are publicly traded, and, and they have to meet certain requirements. One, they have to be registered in compliance with what's called Section 54 of the Investment Company Act of 1940. 
This is basically an act established that uh, establishes what an investment company is, basic rules and regulations. Uh, it has to be a domestic company. It's got to be a company in the U.S. with a class of securities that are registered with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. And here's what I also found interesting. It must invest at least 70% of its assets in private or public U.S. firms with market values less than $250 million. So 70% of whatever these BDCs invest in have got to be both uh, American-based companies and two, have to have a market value of less than $250 million. They can be public or private, but they have to be very, they have to be small. Um, according to close-in fund advisors, as of uh, February 2nd of this year, there are 48 business development companies that are publicly traded. Now, BDC, it sounds like venture capital, but there is a difference. Venture capital firms are, lo are, are looking for large institutions or very wealthy people uh, to invest, and they're typically not traded publicly. BDCs, on the other hand, are kind of open up. They, they do trade on public exchanges, and they do allow basically anyone to invest because of, because of the fact that they are uh, traded publicly. So, uh, and also another thing, and this is something that, that I, you know, I speaks, speaks to Charles, and, and that is just like an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, uh, or REIT, uh, BDCs are required to pay out a percentage of their profits to shareholders, and the percentage for BDCs is 90%. So whatever money they make, 90% of that goes back to shareholders. So what I found uh, using Adam's six-factor green zone system and, and, and also with some, some deeper research is triple point venture growth BDC corporation. That is a mouthful. Its ticker symbol is TPVG, triple point venture. Let's just think of it that way. It specializes in investing in small to mid-sized companies uh, in several fields. So they are very specialized. They look at e-commerce companies. They look at entertainment companies, tech companies, and life science companies. Uh, and and uh, I, I, first off, I like that bundle of, of groups that they look at specifically. It's not just kind of a, 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 a scattershot. They don't just throw money out at anything. The companies have to meet those criteria. And I really like Basically, with the exception of maybe entertainment, um, I really like the other three in there with life science, technology, and e-commerce. Um, it, its revenue uh, has grown about 101%, is expected to grow about 101% into 2022. Um, they are looking to, you know, and that's, that's a doubling of 2019 uh, revenue. They're looking, I think, at least 600 million. Uh, in revenue for 2022 are the projections. Um, you know, another benefit that I saw of Triple Point is that they invest in companies that are in the growth stage. Uh, so there's uh, several different stages. You've got the seed stage, uh, then you have the early stage, then you have the growth stage, and then you have the public stage. Uh, this is kind of the, the, the slope of how companies become what they are. Um, and the seed stage is just starting out, just, you know, looking at, at, at exploring the possibilities. So you get some seed funding, then you have the early stage. This is when you're just starting, but then you start to ramp up and that's when you enter the growth stage. And that's when triple point invests in companies is when they're in that uptrending growth stage as they're right about to go public. So they don't provide seed money. They don't provide early stage investment money at all. Um, and some of the companies they've actually invested in are some that you've, you've heard of Casper, the, uh, uh, the sleeping, the mattress company, they invested in Casper, CrowdStrike, uh, Stance, who makes the socks, and then Untuck It. I don't know if anyone is familiar with that, but this is a shirt company that basically makes shirts that you don't have to tuck in and they don't wrinkle and they actually look like they're tucked in. It's kind of a strange thing, but it is a wildly popular uh, thing, especially for business professionals. They recently expanded uh, their credit facility by $25 million to $350 million. Uh, that uh, means they have 350 million in credit to get to to invest uh, out in, and that potential is up to 400 million under certain circumstances. And what that tells me is is that uh, you know the there's an enormous amount of trust 
by triple point lenders to the company by uh, allowing an increase in the credit facility. It's not, they don't have to give money. Banks don't have to give triple point money, but they actually chose to, and they chose to actually increase that from 300 to 350 million and then up to 400 million. Uh, you, you know, business, uh, not, to, not to, in full transparency, BDCs were actually hit kind of hard by the coronavirus pandemic uh, back in February and March. Businesses of all sizes closed or forced to shut down or, or temporarily shut, off, shut down. So investing was really limited. So returns for BDCs were relatively light in the first, second, third quarters of 2020. But since then, it's actually rebounded nicely. Triple point stock has actually climbed about 52% off its March 2020 lows. Uh, and uh, the stock growth over the trailing 12 months is more than 17%, uh, which is much higher than the overall finance sector growth of just 4%. Uh, on top of that, triple point offers a four dividend yield of, Charles, are you ready? 10.26%. It comes out to about $1.44 a share. Uh, and, and, uh, and the green zone ranking story, as I like to call it, uh, just solidifies that it's a, it's a great stock to consider, in my opinion. It ranks an 87 overall, so not, not, not as high as Adams, but it, but it still means we're strong bullish, and we do expect it to outperform the broader market by at least three times over the next 12 months. Um, it's uh, impressive revenue growth, lends it an 84 rank on growth. Uh, it's got a market cap of 441.1 million, so its size metric is an 81. Uh, and it also ranks in the green for momentum and value. Uh, so, you know, the bottom line here is, is coming out of the coronavirus pandemic, small and mid-sized businesses are going to need extra help beyond what the federal government is going to provide. And there's really no guarantee of what the federal government's going to provide moving forward. Uh, companies like Triple Point have a proven track record of being able to come in and invest in specialized companies and, and help with management challenges and things like that. Uh, and I think it sets them on a really good course to beat the broader market uh, by three times over the next 12 months. So my, my, my pick today is Triple Point Ventures. It trades as TPVG. So, uh, and I entertain any thoughts you might have. Charles, that dividend is, is, is salivating. It's nice. That is it's a nice, nice. That, that's a, I mean, 90% of, of profits. And then, and that's what, it, that's what it's come out to yeah. be. And they've consistently raised that, uh, that dividend over the years. So that's impressive. No, it, it is remarkable what not having to pay taxes will do for your dividend yield. And, <laughs> that and uh, that's, <laughs> no, I, I've, I, I, BDCs are, they're really similar in concept to REITs. And uh, yeah, it, it's the same, same deal. You know, Congress wanted to spur investment in that area. So they, they gave really sweet tax incentives to make that happen. Right. I've always been a fan of BDCs. Um, I, I think it's, it, it's a nice business model. I've always also, I've also always said that BDCs are as close to Main Street as Wall Street can get. And uh, that's one of the reasons they really did suffer in 2020. But I also think it's one of the reasons that in 2021, they're poised to do really well. Adam, any, any parting thoughts from you? Nothing from Adam? <laughs> that's all right. Well, Sorry, so I'm totally here. Just, trying to, just trying to find the mute button. Uh, <laughs> lost, lost my mute button there. Hey, it happens. No, I, no, I like it. I think it's a great way to kind of uh, get a slice of uh, growing companies. I, I particularly, I mean, of everything you said, I think that the, the specific fields in which uh, they're investing, I mean, venture capital, whether it's BDC or, or actual venture capital, private equity, um, you know, I think that the ones that try to do everything don't really bring as much value to the table. Um, the ones that specialize in something, whether it's software or biotech or uh, technology, they, they actually bring expertise. So they're not just looking at the numbers of the companies they're acquiring or investing in, but they're actually looking to add some value to that company's product line or, or market share. 
Uh, so I think you hit the nail on the head there, and uh, I really like this pick. So there you have it. We've got uh, uh, Charles went with Hawkins, H-W-K-N. Uh, with Adam, it was WLKP, and then myself, it's TPVG. So, uh, and you can obviously, if there's any part of this that you want to go back and revisit, just uh, hit rewind and, and check out our insights. Uh, plus, we'll we'll try to you know include that a little bit more on money and markets as well uh, moving forward. So, uh, again, visit money and markets each and every day for safe and sound, profitable investment information from myself, from Adam Odell, from Charles Sizemore, uh, and many others who uh, are there to help bolster your portfolio by being safe and sound and and making sure that you are on the right track. So uh, we'll have much, much more next week. The Marijuana Market Update, I will tell you, I have an interview with a cannabis insider. Uh, that is very exciting. Also, not to toot my own horn, but uh, the Marijuana Market the marijuana market Update, we will feature a, uh, cannabis, uh, wa a cannabis watch list stock that I put on two months ago, and it recently crossed triple-digit gains. So I'm very, very excited about that. I, I am pretty, pretty stoked about that. Just uh, uh, how long it lasts, who knows, but hey, I'll take, I'll take it. It's a, it's a big win. The portfolio is up about 40% right now. So fantastic. If you bought in, congratulations. We'll have more as well on the bull and the bear. And then don't, uh, don't forget our week ahead, which comes out on Sunday, where I'll give you a preview of what you can look for on Wall Street. So for Green Zone Fortunes editor, Charles Sizemore and Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist and founder of Green Zone Fortunes, Adam O'Dell, I am research analyst, Matt Clark. Until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.